Stoveleg Media, igniting conversation. I'm Trisden. And I'm Ray. What we hope to do here is find a little bit of middle ground on some of these extremely polarizing social and political issues. Welcome everybody to Extreme Common Sense. What's up, Ray? How's Hello. it going? Sure is, and I have to say it again, man. Another beautiful day driving down here. We live in a beautiful county. I know I'm like a broken record, but the different seasons. Now you're driving down and there's snow and there's the barns and it's still the winter view and it's just a pretty damn part of the country. No argument there. I mean, that, that's one thing. You can talk a lot of shit and a lot of Northeasterners and others do okay, talk shit why? about us, but man, it's freaking gorgeous. Here was a here's a cute little exercise. And again, this is a welcome to uh, Extreme Common Sense, a.k.a. Uh, well, what do we say? One, not one topic to another. I forget. Uh, slightly uh, off topic. Slightly off topic. Slightly off topic. Always. So two, two. Uh, uh, well, not two. One Christmas thing, real quick. B- belated Merry Christmas. We're in the middle Merry of uh, what we call Christmas week, which and I, happy holidays. Uh, happy holidays, which I always say is Christmas Eve through New Year's Day. So here's a question for you: Do you set up a Christmas tree? Yeah, of course. Okay. Do you put gifts under the Christmas tree? Absolutely. Okay. Do you? Because my wife and I have this discussion slash argument every year do you take the gifts out immediately on christmas day or do you leave them under the tree as far as like you wake up and you open them and then you're done with them or yeah so when, once you've opened them on christmas day do you immediately put them where they go or do you oh, leave them under the tree i'm very obsessive about once they're open i put everything away so, so nothing stays under the tree now the wife different story she's still got stuff all over the living room floor. Okay. It's, what, the 28th as we record So, this. Patty and I disagree in the way that you guys on the opposite. So, I was raised in a house where the stuff stayed under the tree till New Year's Day. That was Christmas week. Patty wants it out of there the day of. So, the compromise we've reached is she takes her stuff out. The kids grab their stuff. I leave my stuff still under the tree. Nice. Yeah, because it's Christmas. It's supposed to stay under the damn tree. So, what if it's something you want to like play with? Or well, use? that's a different story. If why well, you gave me a Yogi Berra book, actually written by Dale, his son, and I've already finished it. Really? It was good. What do you think? I, it was great. I've forgotten about Dale Berra. You know, I, I I certainly remember the name, but I didn't really pay that much attention. But then all the drug use, you know, <laughs> he really kind of ruined his career with cocaine. I didn't realize that by his own admission. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Fascinating. Yeah. But uh, let's see. There's a good meme that I sent you. Um, I'm trying to think. It was re- relating on something you said a few minutes ago, and I wrote down the word meme, and I'm trying to remember what it was. Oh, uh, it was the liberal guy that was talking about yes. how basically every, every, every long-haired hippie, hippie liberal <laughs> has said Merry Christmas this week. Right. That is one of those fake, uh, oh, you know, fake Fox outrage. News bullshit things that yes. look... Nobody's being mean when they say happy holidays, and we all say Merry Christmas. I would say, what, even the Jews and the Muslims and the Hindus, at some point this week, you're, you're all saying Merry Christmas. Right. You know, exactly. It's just, because you know yeah. somebody else celebrates it, why not? I, yes. I don't know. That that is very that fake outrage. I hate that. Yeah, there's a lot of fake outrage over the war on Christmas. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. But um, so so this other thing popped in my head, having nothing to do with anything we're going to talk about today. But I was just <laughs> driving and I thought, okay, uh, by state, list the states that you've spent the most nights in. Okay. So obviously for me now, actually Kentucky would, I assume, would have surpassed New Jersey because I'm 34 years here and 27 there. So I think my list is probably uh, 
Kentucky first, Jersey second, which is crazy because, you know, my upbringing being what it is, I would probably go with, well, I spent summers in Vermont, spent summers in Maryland and summers in Texas. So it, w- it would be in that order. But I just thought that's kind of a goofy little exercise. States you've spent the most nights in. Well, yeah, that's pretty cool. And for me, I would say probably, yeah, Kentucky at this point is home. So the most nights have been here, I think, since 90. Did you live in Tennessee once or Virginia? Virginia. Yeah. So Virginia would be second. Here's a, a, a side. I had a, a, a fake address in Tennessee because you didn't have to pay for car insurance. <laughs> and when I was 16, this like, guy. Yeah, you I, are an operator. Man, you know. I it, had a fake address in Tennessee. Growing up poor, you really, you have to learn To get the out of paying what? The car insurance. Because the state of Tennessee in the 90s did not require you to have car insurance. <laughs> no kidding. So, you know, again. Your car was registered in Tennessee? Registered the car in Tennessee. License plates With in With a Tennessee, fake address. Virginia driver's license and a fake address. <laughs> so actually, I think my mom had dated a guy for a little while. Oh, of course you kind had. enough to, uh, you know, to use the address. address. That's great, Tristan. Yeah, so good times. But again, you do. You like, when you have no money at all, you have to, like, you improvise a lot. And didn't you spend some time out in Seattle one summer? I did. Well, California would be my third. Oh, California would be third. Because that was yeah. my first, you know, five-ish years. Oh, on, right. On Earth, okay. Yeah, I that's kind of a neat a little exercise, right? Yeah. And then you would have the states you've never spent. Like, I don't believe I've ever spent a night in Wisconsin. Yeah. Uh, now, some of them are hazy because Patty and I took a trip where we drove uh, from New Jersey to Kentucky to Colorado, then up through like North and South Dakota. So I probably spent a night maybe in North Dakota, a night in South something like that, you know? Yeah. Camping and so forth. But uh, yeah, kind of kind of a cool little exercise. It's pretty cool, yeah. And I, having done um, a few cross-country road trips in my life, like, yeah, it would be fun to sit down and figure out the places where we stayed. So and, you would go Kentucky, Virginia, California. Yep. And then a fourth would be a little tougher? Yeah, maybe Tennessee, maybe uh, like a South Washington? Carolina. Or if, well, yeah, Washington, you're right. Because, Washington yeah, State? That would have been, yeah, Washington's up there. <laughs> uh, yeah, and then, you know, the, the vacation states. I mean, right. we're always in South Carolina. Quite a few Florida. nights in Florida. Yeah, yeah. definitely. All right, so that's crazy <laughs> but fun if you think about it if you're driving and listening or walking and listening think yeah, about it, states you've spent time in it's pretty cool and and i'm yet to get out of the continental lower 48 and that is just something that was i used to fly all the time 9 11 i got a little bit scared uh i did fly again a couple years ago but i haven't made it can, like a, a regular thing and i've really gotta just start flying i mean it's it's stupid or you could take a luxury liner across the atlantic i have hey, no idea what nice. that costs now it's got to be expensive I'm sure it's a bit yeah, it can't be yeah. cheap but yeah i've got to get in the habit of flying i mean i, I want to do some uh you know some of the, the caribbean spots and i've just never done that and i don't know i might be a cruise guy but i've never done that so i'm I not sure done a lot of caribbean patty and i went to aruba but other than that i've been not been to jamaica or bahamas and yeah patty always wants to go and I like to go and visit the folks at home. And I'm like, she was like, can't we go to an island? And I'm like, Manhattan's an island. <laughs> no, I mean, isn't that cool enough? It does always feels like that the guys are the more like, let's keep it local. Let's, you know, not go as far. And women are always more like, yeah, let's travel to Iceland. But I will say in my house, it's kind of the opposite. Like, you know, because the first few years of our marriage, I was less excited about flying. And now I'm kind of like, you know, my grandpa's in France. I'm begging my wife. Oh, yeah. oh no, that would be a cool trip. Yeah. And my wife is just not as up for it and so it, it always gets you didn't have burner. to travel to iceland last week it came to us oh shit yeah no no we, well, greenland i guess is the cold one iceland yeah. ironically so yes greenland came yeah came man that was miserable yeah that was rough man that was uh no fun I've, at I've all. been here 34 years and i do so they had said it hadn't broken a record because the record was set in 1989 and i remember because we were here just a scant 
six or eight months. And I said to Patty, good Christ, I thought we had moved a little south. It was brutally <laughs> cold that winter of 89. It, it was below zero. And, and then it was below zero last week. You know, Fahrenheit. It was five or eight below Fahrenheit. And the wind chills were 30 below. And it was like... You just, you couldn't stay outside. It was nuts. Yeah, it really you was You could not crazy. stay outside. Animals, the animals wanted nothing to do with it. No. Our, our cat went three days not going out. Now he'll wow. hit the litter box, but yeah. he's an outdoor, indoor, outdoor cat. He was not having it, man. <laughs> you know, they're not stupid. He's it like, was, no, sir. It was tough for me because my dogs are very outside dogs, but we have a electric heater in their doghouse. Oh, cool. To keep them warm. So That's cool. I brought them in the bad night. Like, the, the it was, I guess, the second night when it got really cold. Yeah, Thursday and Friday were and brutal. They, they hated it. They just wanted to go out and be in the, you oh, know, really? what they're used to. So. Oh, that's cool. But, it, well, we've got one old dog. He stayed inside the whole time. The other two young, you know, They wanted ones, out. They just wanted out. That's funny. Yeah. But, again, it's heated, so it wasn't like they were going sure. out to. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Animals, you know, they survive it, man. They're great. I mean, cows. What do cows do? I guess they huddle together. They got a leather jacket. I mean, the farmer might <laughs> bring them into a barn, but they don't all come in. No, that's true. And and I don't know. I wonder if, if you would find that a lot of people lost livestock and animals over this. Because it does feel like their instincts sort of get them through a lot of this. Yeah, they, they find a low spot. And they uh, so they're out of the wind. And then they huddle together for heat, you know. And But but that was that was even by farmer standards. Yeah, agreed. Pretty unprecedented cold man it was crazy yeah so hopefully folks that are listening were taking all proper precautions it did turn pets. into a white christmas which was cool yeah i mean you'll white take christmases it. are always cool white christmases are nice but i would of course prefer if i'm writing a script for what i want like it was like an inch of snow like if it's gonna snow like let's have four or five inches like a little bit the kids can go sled and make a snow i'll give you that yeah it's pretty to look at you know you still look out and you see the white but a it was too cold to enjoy it, it and was. b there wasn't enough snow to play in, really. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Uh, yeah, but snow. You, look at you being the optimist and me over here. People are uh, funny with snow, though. I think they either like it or hate it, and there's no real in between. It's not like, hey, it's okay. It's like, oh, man, I really like I love snow. And, and it's a little philosophic. What I like about snow, first and foremost, Dresden, is it's really the only entity left on Earth that just slows everything down. It slows That's true. A, it slows a fast-paced world down. Everybody has to slow down, make arrangements to be somewhere, stay a little longer, talk a little more. Those are all kind of cool things in my book. Yeah. Uh, and then it is beautiful. Snow is beautiful, at least the first day. Once it starts it's getting a little dirty, not so much. Yeah. But, um, you know, it's beautiful, and you can have a lot of fun in snow. It's a pretty cool thing. I agree. And my thing is, I've, I've never been a winter person, although maybe over the last 10 years, I've gotten more used to it, and it just seems to go much faster than it used to when I was younger, and it would just drag and seem like it would take forever. But the nice thing about snow for me is, like, if it's going to be cold and ugly anyway, might as well have something to go play right. in. Like, yeah, we can go well, out and have a good time. That's a great point. Like I say, the worst weather is 38 and rain. A summer rain where it's 70, it's raining, that's cool, that's fine. A snowstorm where it's 20 or 15 and you're getting snow. But when it's 38 and rainy, there is no worse weather. <laughs> that sucks. Oh, it's the yeah. worst weather. I mean, 38 and rain is Can't just disagree with that. fucking miserable yeah. weather. Not good. And we seem to get a lot of that in Kentucky because we we're yeah yeah because we're and that freaking quite. ice which that storm basically there wasn't any ice it turned right from it yeah. was like a flash freeze right. it went from rain to snow like that yeah was, which is always nice because ice is terrible well and ice definitely is what kind of kills businesses and right. ruins a lot right. of snow you, you know, can navigate trees yeah although yeah. buffalo oh my god that was even by buffalo standards yeah they but, had. They were up to like two dozen deaths, man. A lot of people froze in their vehicles. Isn't that awful? 
Unbelievable. And my, my heart goes out to them and rest in peace all. But you would think if you're living in Buffalo, you got to have every emergency precaution in your car. Blankets, gloves, hats. I would you're think. in Buffalo, man. Yeah. Now, what, what happened? They just, they were stuck? Uh, it was all part of our storm. And it came that quick. If you So here was a funny uh, observation. We've got a sizable pond behind our pa- house. And we woke up Friday morning and it's zero, I think, two below Fahrenheit. And Patty says, Buzzy, the pond is, the water's flowing. The water's not frozen. Well, at 11 o'clock at night, it had been 41 fucking degrees. Right. And by one in the morning, it was 11. It dropped 30 degrees in two hours. And then the rest of it overnight, the pond, the water literally didn't have time to freeze. Crazy. And as Jaeger explained, because he's a walking Google... That's how lake effect snows work. Yeah. Lake Erie is so huge, it rarely freezes. But So that open water adds all that precipitation to the storm as it's moving over. It sucks yeah. it up, yeah. and it just dumps it as snow because it's cold wow. enough that it freezes when it picks it up. You know, when the moisture's lifted, right. it instantly freezes and has dropped as snow in places like Buffalo and Erie, Pennsylvania, and Cleveland. You could have been a meteorologist. Lake effect snow. Well, that was Jaeger, you know. <laughs> He's one of the, let me explain lake effect snow. So, yeah, so it was some terrible weather. But, Everybody um, needs Jaeger as a friend. He's, well, love him to death, lifelong friend. He is, you know, he's a frustrated news reporter. He should have been a news. So every time you're telling a story, he's got that fucking phone now. So it's so easy to Google everything and check your facts. I'm like, Matt, I'm Irish. You're German. I know the facts, but I got to have a little leeway. I'm an Irish storyteller. I get some latitude here. You know, the fish was this big. And he's like, nope, that was uh, 1961. Okay, Jesus. You know, you you have a friend like that who's always Google checking you? Well, I guess maybe just Matt, but I'm not, you know, around him. Like you are, but n- 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 my wife is, she's notorious to like, you can, tr- you're tr- in the middle of a good story and it's almost a similar situation. And it's like, man, it was Friday, 2004. And she's like, it was 2002. <laughs> I'm like, why is it worth ruining this completely impertinent part of the story? Exactly. Like, just let me tell the damn story. So yeah, I, I get that a lot at home. So like, I almost now, if I'm going to say anything in front of my wife, like I have to fact check myself in advance of telling the story to make sure it's a hundred percent or you get the interruption, you know, and the fact checking has certainly become easier. We had a conversation the other day at work about, um, which Lucas is at 35, just on the tail end of, but the encyclopedia Britannica and the salesman, Dan was actually oh, wow, in yeah. on it. Our friend from bad wolf. And we're actually in his building right now. And Dan said, Oh man, I remember writing many a paper using the damn encyclopedias. Oh, me too. I'm sure you sure. had them, you know, Absolutely. A to L and M to Z, right? Two yeah. levels. And, and that, there were some good livings earned by encyclopedia salesmen. Most definitely. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure in another lifetime I could have sold oh, encyclopedias. No shit. You could sell fucking ice to an Eskimo, man. <laughs> I don't know about that. <laughs> oh, man. So do you want me to tell the story? The reason I called you yesterday, I'm dying to tell this story. And and let me tell you the reason I'm dying to, to tell it. Yeah, it's a little In bizarre. comedy, yeah, in comedy, they do something what's kind of called workshopping your material. And I've told this story probably three times. And the thing that makes me, I guess, hesitant to tell the story is that I can see in every single person's eyes or hear in the inflection of their voice, nobody was amazed at the story. Everybody sort of was like, well, okay. For me, and I'm just blown away by it. Maybe because I lived it. I I don't know. But for me, and I've just had so much time invested in this situation. Like, for me, it was a big deal. It's a pretty bizarre tale. You you think, like, really? Oh, yeah. Because, again, I feel like I've told it to three people, and they were all kind of, well, okay. Yeah, I mean, what you told me yesterday. Yeah. No names mentioned? Correct. Okay. So, okay. So, I'm going to force you guys, you know, you're not paying anything for this. You can fast forward if you want. 
Um, there's a guy slash kid. How old? 35-ish, 32-ish, yeah. somewhere around there. Yeah. Local Special Olympian. Uh, I, I think so many people in media know this person because he is very, very active in local media. He'll let you know when roads are closed, when there's a wreck on 75. Like He's very, very active in helping. So by default, like I've known this guy for a decade. You know, he, he calls my day job seven, eight times a day. He gets crushes on our news girls. He's, you know, he, he's got my cell phone number. He's called me. He texts more than he calls, but friends on Facebook, he'll message me literally 20 times a day, four days a week to the point where you're like, Man, it's a lot. And if anybody, you know, it is. But you've got a good relationship with him, and you've and you've you've, I've seen you do things for him. You treat him well, definitely. You know, and and I just think you know it's probably not the easiest life to be right. You know, to 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 be a little bit different. And and I just think, man, if there's something I could do to make his day better, you know, I've went to and I've seen you do that. Yeah, I went to several Special Olympics things. I went to he had a bowling event recently. I went to and like you know, outside of being a bit of a pest, I really like the kid. So. Uh, it, it wasn't long ago his his father passed away and he was he was he let me know on you know on facebook that you know my dad passed away actually he told me like a week before like they're calling in family it's, it's getting it's looking really bad i don't think he's gonna make it and man what can i do for you i really hate to hear that having lost a mom myself i know what it's like to go through that and i'm sure somebody with special needs it may there's probably an extra layer that i couldn't even understand and just like you know it's kind of heartbreaking and you spend a lot of time like man i wish there was something i could do and um he was lying his dad's fine his sister's posting pictures of him and again it's you might be thinking well maybe it was a stepdad or something but no because he had sent me a picture of the man this is my dad who passed away well his sister posted the picture of dad opening presents on christmas day and the caption was hopefully you know we have you around for many more christmases to come so i'm just like this motherfucker has lied to me about his dad's death. And I've invested all this emotion into like trying to comfort him and what can I do? But then I started going back and a lot of the things he tells me is sort of for, you know, for sympathy. Like there's surgeries that he told me about that he never had. He's like, it's been a litany, a web of lies that this guy has told me over the last few years. And I'm just, I'm blown away. Hey, I'm very naive apparently, or just very gullible, but you just don't expect people to lie to you about the death of parents. Right. I mean, that's, that's a karma issue, man. That's, you know, and I understand this individual. I know him quite well as well. And, um, yeah, he's, you know, there's something obviously different, but still, I mean, so, so <laughs> he knows right and wrong for sure. But I don't know if you wanted to tell this part of the story, but you called him out on it. No, you didn't call him out on it, yeah, but well, you I just, asked him. I kind of mentioned it. You know, I'd sent him. It's funny. The, the way that went was he had posted about his dad. This was on Christmas and he had put in the post. I miss you. So it could have went, I haven't seen you in a few days. So he kind of was walking the line between, you know, maybe appeasing the people that he's told that his father passed away and actually saying, hey, I love you and I miss you and, you know, whatever. So when I, that was sort of what got me looking for, you know, evidence. It kind of got me suspicious. So then I, I sent him a message and I said, hey, man, you posted about your dad. And he responded, yeah, I told you he passed away. So I was like, really? And then, so then I followed up with a picture of him that his sister had posted. 
He like completely deleted me from his social media. He did not want to answer the question, I guess, of why he was lying about, you know, is that. And again, it's 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 on one hand, it's very sad because he, you know, wants this attention and wants the sympathy so bad he's willing to do that. So and again, he's obviously special needs. So he's a little bit developmentally different than most of us. Right. So on one hand, like he knew what he did because he deleted me immediately when I caught him or, you know. So, yeah, I've, I've had kind of a struggle with that all week. I've, I've been pretty fascinated by it and would almost love for you to say, when you see him, how's your dad doing? So, yeah, I, you I don't know. know. I thought that, but that's crazy. But do you um, you think now that's going to sever that relationship? You think he's done? Well, to be honest with you, and, and man, this might sound cold-hearted, but he's so intense on messaging. Like, it's he'll go 30, 40 messages on a day when he's messaging you like, I like being there for him and I'm happy to, to chat with him sometimes, but the volume of messaging, if that goes away, will be a burden lifted. Mm-hmm. Now I'm happy to be his friend. I've enjoyed being his friend, but it's the amount of messages. I mean, nobody can sustain that. Like it's, it's a lot. Sure. And so yes. Sure. And that, that may be a, you know, that's interesting. Tris, and that may be a part of, and I'm probably way uh, over my skis on this, but that may be a facet of um, special needs folks that I've never read anything about. And I've had a similar situation happen with my daughter. We have a few folks from a local uh, organization, wonderful group called Independent Opportunities who work with special needs folks. And, you know, they, they can come in and do tasks at the bowling center. And there's t- over the years, there's probably been five or six that have worked for us uh, of of the folks, and uh, one in particular, Brielle had befriended, and man, he didn't stop texting her to the point where she had to sort of say, "Please, you have to stop." So I don't know if that's an aspect, or you, you, you know, assume, it's a way yeah, that yeah, it, makes sense. Yeah, yeah possibly. But, yeah, and, and again, you know, I'm sure there's maybe some loneliness issues there. As possibly, they, you know, mature into adulthood yeah. and maybe don't have as many people around them. You know, again, I don't know. There's a, a sad element to the story that you want this attention. Now that's actually bad, in a but, funky, if not funky, in a real world way. That's kind of a tragic story. I mean, that's a that's a breach that you know. I know him well enough to know he would know that that was. Not cool. And as you said, he deleted you. So right. he didn't want to have any conversation. He didn't want to talk about it. And, and Yeah. And, and this is that's been, crazy. You know, and I've probably been friends with him for 10 years. Yeah. I mean, early, you know, you kind of know him and he's always calling the stations and stuff. So, yeah, it was. Uh, now, do I think in six months he'll probably maybe send me a friend request or something? I mean, well, it, it, I mean, put probably. it this way, Trizan. If that were you and I and I told you that and you found out it wasn't true, you would you would rightly say, man. I'm pretty sure this relationship is over. I mean, there's been very few people in my life that I've just cut off, but there's been two or three for different different things. And um, one was a guy who uh, I trained for six months DJing and early on, and and it sort of it sort of uh, scared me away from ever expanding my business. And Mike was his name. He'll never hear this, and I'll never see him again. But when he finally came, and he took the money every time he came out with me, 50 or 100 bucks, and trained and trained. And when it was finally time for him to do his first job, he was like, man, I don't think I can do this. I'm like, motherfucker, why didn't you tell me that six months ago? You know, you came out with me for six months helping me, took the money, and now, and and I had him, like, booked on a job. And I was like, oh, all right, I'm done with this guy. But that's very few people. But that's a transgression that I think you could rightly say, man, I'm going to back off. And I still like you, but I I don't know that we can really have much of a relationship going forward. Well, it's tough, you know, when people do something like that. And again, this is... 
I would even equate this to sort of the relationship that I have with my dad and, and the way that it sort of has, you know, been a on again, off again at best and at worst, you know, non-existent or miserable. But part of wow. what I found to be true now, he denied this when I called my dad out on it, but it felt like he would go away and would only pop into my life if he had like a wedding or a funeral or something. So he knew he was going to be around a lot of family that was going to say, yeah, hey, how, how's Trisden doing? Oh, wow. And so it felt like he would sort of pop in, hey, what are you up to right now? What's going on in your life? And it sort of became this thing that, you know, I naively, oh, well, you know, I'm doing this at work. I'm, you know, got a promotion, whatever, whatever. Once I realized that, it hit me pretty hard that it made me feel like, oh, shit, I'm just being used for information. And he he couldn't really give me, you know, a good answer about it, but it, it, it was... You know when something like when you see a piece of art and it hits you because you interpret it perfectly and you've looked at that, oh, that's exactly what this artist is saying. That was how it felt when I realized that about my dad. So I think it's, you know, once you kind of realize that you're being used or somebody's taking advantage or lying, like, man, it's pretty easy to kind of move on and yeah. kind of, okay, well, this is Put some what, distance up. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, that distance was predicated by what they did to you. And again, taking into account that this is a person with some special needs, but sure. nonetheless, yeah. did you speak to your dad at all over the holidays? I mean, the holidays aren't done, but no, um, his wife sent out a card, uh, excuse me, his girlfriend sent out a card and, uh, which his wife didn't like his wife was super <laughs> mad about, <laughs> I didn't tell I didn't tell his wife. Uh, I was, they've been together a long time, common law, whatever. Well, yeah, but, yeah. I think so, California has that, doesn't it? I'm not sure. Well, yeah, because those movie stars that lived together 30 oh, years. They, yeah. So she sent a card, but and to me, this is the worst of the worst. She signed his name and her name. Oh. Like, you know, so to me, he's yeah. saying, I'm not a part of this. Yeah, no and shit. So, and, and again, it I, doesn't take much to sign a card. See, little things, people, it little is, things. It's the little stuff. And, yeah. and, and, and I definitely, you know, and I had actually deleted him on Facebook recently. This oh, is wow. not the direction of the show yeah. was intended, by the way. But it was just, you know, she would pop up and say something. And again, I, I like her well enough. I mean, we've had our issues, but, you know, it's not like I dislike her. But, you know, it's just a constant reminder that, you know, my dad and I have this shitty relationship so i just right. said you know what i'm sick of them having a window into my life a because it felt like he was only interested in to you know to sort of know what i was up to anyway without he was sort of getting the benefits of being able to look a certain way in front of the rest of our family yeah yeah without putting any you know actual right and again i needed and daddy that, and that I was just, and that was the realization that really hurt you correct yeah. yes yes that was that was that cut me pretty deep as, again i think if yeah. your kids only at a certain point like only wanted you for something you would be fuck man that, and you know Tristan, that's that's that whole wisdom thing i don't think if you're a 20 year old not to pick on 20 year olds there's wonderful and smart kids but uh i don't think you have the ability to make that it's takes some Agreed. it takes some no, time it, it and some a, experience to go shout motherfucker 100 percent. yeah and that's why i think you know i kind of allowed this the bad relationship to go as long as it did you know because it sort of felt like you just blindly want something to work you love your dad of course right you know and you're just you're willing to you know kind of let things slip by that maybe yeah with some time and wisdom and you know and boundaries for yourself that you're not willing to put up with for the rest of your life 
So I mean, father and son relationships, mother and daughter and mother and son and on and on. But father and son relationships, I mean, is the backbone of Springsteen's work. It's I mean, Howard Stern talked about the impetus. Um, is that the right word that he got or the the um, there's a pill for that. OK, yeah. <laughs> A blue one. Yeah, that's impotence. <laughs> that's what's the word I'm looking for? Inspiration, maybe? No, I think impetus for is his, right. For his right. work, that yeah. a lot of his conflict came from his dad, who, you know, we, we all have that, right? I was fascinated by that part of that interview, by the way, too. That was pretty cool. Stern and Springsteen? Stern and Springsteen. Yeah. yeah. Talking about dads? Yeah. Yeah. It was great. Yeah, how, how I think Stern said... Um, he always felt like he could never live up to what his father expected from him, which is bizarre when you're yeah. a superstar making that kind of money. Exactly. And, but there were better paths or whatever. I don't know. Yeah. And my kind of thing, too, I guess in my world, I just want to make everything about me because I'm that guy. But my thing, too, was, you know, having a mom with alcoholism, drug addiction, with all these problems, like I felt like my ability to forgive and sort of overlook things was pretty unprecedented. Was pretty like, st- I'm going to let go. Pretty stout. Almost anything you do, like we, if you're not punching me in the face or physically assaulting me, like I'm probably going to find a way to forgive you. And I think probably a lot of kids who grew up in alcoholic, dysfunctional households have probably built up quite a tolerance for people, which helps in my day job of sales. Right. You're not, you're not perturbed very much. Yeah. So again, I, I feel like he's working pretty hard to, you know, not be able to have a relationship with Yeah, it sucks. And, and, back, <laughs> yeah. and back to the other story yeah. with the young man, you know, maybe sometime we'll heal that too. It, it may not be over, but I certainly understand oh, I'd taking say, a break. Yeah. I definitely forgive him. I just yeah, also want just to somehow work bizarre. into that. Man, I can't, and you I can't, can't do 40 times and, a night and you do, And then you do have to put yourself in his shoes. And, and what is that about? Like, why did he do that? To, to garner sympathy from you? Or? Had to be. I mean, I don't know you anything know. else that makes sense. Yeah, it's very bizarre. Well, because yeah, if he's just being a dick. But people said to you, "Well, it's no big deal," or whatever. No, not not so much. It's just if you ever catch yourself in the middle of a story to a close friend, and you just know the difference between like they're fascinated by it and they're like, "Well, okay." Yeah, it was just more like, "Well, okay." How did your wife respond? Oh, she was she was really fat. Like she very much because obviously she knows she was a part of it, and yeah, she she was a part of figuring all of it out online and stuff. Like some of the other things that he talked about. She was very fascinated by it. Nobody else was as fascinated. No, I think it's amazing. It's it's a pretty wild story. Yeah, I mean, because it's not a story you hear every day. No, it's pretty gracious. And then and then to. Uh, befriend or a defriend you? Bef- he, what? he defriended you. Defriend, yeah. yeah, to yeah. defriend. He did not want to discuss it, which is fair. So on New Year's Day, uh, not New Year's Day, on Christmas Day, I'm, I'm sorry, we're, we're in the middle of Christmas and New Year's. It's a confusing time of year. Um, but wow, it's a big New Year's Eve. You've got UK and Louisville, which actually shouldn't be much of a game. Eastern is playing. I got to do public address at four in the afternoon. And then you got the two um, college playoff games, New Year's Eve. Oh, wow, yeah. And the, the, the late one starts 8 to 11. That's um, that's uh, Michigan and Georgia, right? No. It's uh, it's um, Georgia and TCU and no. Oh, no, it's Ohio State and Georgia, Michigan and TCU. Okay. So Ohio State, Georgia is the first game. Okay. That would be a good game. And then Michigan, I think that's how it works. Yeah. But, um, yeah, maybe that's the second game, Ohio State, uh, Georgia. I think that's okay. the second game. Yeah. But that could run to midnight. Yeah, definitely. It would be fun if we had this information in front of us. It'd be a lot easier on the uh, listener. And yeah, the I've people are yelling, said, going, listen, dumbass. If we would just ever look just, on your phone. This would be a good show if we would prep. I if swear to God. And we do not, prep. like, we do not do, uh, you know, any just type of rehearsal, obviously. <laughs> obviously. So, yeah, we, we definitely could have a good show if we. 
tried. But since we segued to sports, or I did, so this came up on Christmas Day with my somewhat intoxicated, uh, stubborn nephew, but it was that generational thing of, you know, Wilt Chamberlain would be a seventh man if he were playing today. So I'll give you my quick take on that whole generational discussion in sports, and then you, because we're both sports guys, probably use more so than me, so then you give me your take. So my take is... Babe Ruth is a great baseball player whenever he plays, whatever era. Same with Hank Aaron, same with Bob Feller, Bob Gibson. Um, um, Oscar Robertson is a great basketball player whenever he plays, same with Wilt Chamberlain. And Jim Brown is a great running back whenever he plays, so on and so forth, so on and so forth. Because you you just can't compare generations. They're just great athletes or great athletes. Yeah, I I, I probably have a bit to say about that. But I definitely think... You can pluck any of those natural talents out of any generation, give them the science, give them the diet, give them the weight rooms, you know, the advantages, the money, you know, to be able to, to spend on the health. I mean, the amount of money LeBron James spends on keeping himself healthy yes. is millions of dollars yes. a year. Right. So you take Babe Ruth and give him the same, you know, advantages. I, I feel like, yeah, he's going to do the same stuff. So, yeah, it, it's impossible to really compare the generations like that because they're so different. Um, and, and actually, that's a good point. And this was not even discussed. But even in that leaving generations out, LeBron's a bit of an exception because he's amazing. And you're exactly right. I'd love to know. I remember James Harrison. You remember that name? He played yeah. to about age 40. Yeah. He used to spend $100,000 a year on a barometric yeah. oxygen chamber. chamber that yeah. he would go in. hundred grand just for whatever that would do. And I think LeBron does that. And I think he you're does. right. It approaches seven figures, what he spends to keep himself playing at that level at 38. Now, he's pretty unprecedented. There's other guys that say, fuck that. I've played 12 years. I've got some money. I'm not doing that. So, right. you know, it's it's kudos to LeBron, but it's also, uh, you know, it's also really uh, not not a fascination. I'm, my vocabulary is getting away from me today. But, you know, it's 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 very a, a devotion that's second to none. Definitely. Almost a crazy devotion, if you will. He, he understands his, le- and I'm not the hugest LeBron fan, but he definitely understands his legacy. And I think he takes, you know, his place in bas- basketball history pretty seriously. So, yeah, he takes every advantage he He's can get. And you should. at a high level, man, at 37 or 8, right? Yeah. Well, and I think of this, too. Like, man, you probably take a Willie Mays or a Mickey Mantle. Their lifestyle in the 50s and 60s. Oh, especially Mickey. Yeah, but my point is, they probably did. They probably didn't live much better than you and I now. Like no, they were a, fuck like no. Middle upper middle classes, majorly is oh, like the, oh, the best. monetarily, yes, monetarily, yes, yes. because right. you know I, every right. time you turn on MLB Network in the off season, like right. there's a story of some kid that was like, my dad just went and asked Willie Mays to come to dinner with us, and Willie was like, sure, I'll come. To, like imagine going to a stadium today and your dad asking Joey Votto to like give me a break. Like these guys were pretty normal back then. It wasn't and like they had those I types think, of advantages. To your point, Tris, and that's that's kind of funny. You could almost put it this way that baseball at its core, and this is I'll just say it because my late brother in law used to say it and I agreed with him. It's a redneck game. It's a game of tobacco spit and middle America. Yeah, it's it's a really a pastoral game that grew in Cincinnati and New York State, and it's kind of a redneck game. Now it's you disagree know, on the redneck part, but it, it, well, fair it's, take. It's a country game, all right. And it's um and now it's a lot of obviously the Hispanic influence. Baseball is loved throughout Latin America, but I think to your point in the '50s, '60s, into the '70s, they were looked at as blue collar working class guys. Agreed. Now they're white collar. Fucking multimillionaires who yeah. run their own business, who run their own 
person as a business. Right. And and you made a point, I think the last time we spoke about it, if you probably take, um, you know, the type of hits that, I don't know, maybe you could say Peyton Manning, who's even still retired, who's a good young NFL quarterback right now? Uh, our boy up in Cincinnati, Joey. Yeah. Joey so, De Niro. Yeah. So Joe Burrow. So if you take a look at what Burrow would probably, his fear on game day versus a Terry Bradshaw. Oh, shit. I mean. Well, see, that's the problem with generations too, Tristan. I saw Dusty Baker interviewed who love or hate baseball and or love or hate what the Astros did because I'm not a fan as I'm sure you're sure. not. Great to see Dusty get a World Series. Oh, the man's 100%. devoted his life to the game. He's wonderful. Have you ever seen the Fran Healy interviews? Fran Healy was a former catcher, major league catcher. I know he had some years with the Yankees. Well, he, he does these interviews. I think it's Ohio Sports South. And he brings it. He's a wonderful interviewer. Nice. And he had Dusty on there. And so Fran said to him, tell me, I think Dusty's 72. He said, so tell me, you know, your life in baseball and what's changed. Well, one of the things he talked about was, of course, pitching. How, um, you know, guys, he still, even though he manages that way because he has to, he still doesn't understand why he has to pull a guy who's got a shutout, who's got a one-hit shutout in the fifth inning just because of the fucking pitch count. You know, it's sort of anathema to Dusty, but he's adjusted. He talked about... um, how players wanted to play in his day. Now players are protecting their investments. I was like, hey, Skip, you know, my knee's at me. I, You know, he said, guys I played with would have never done that. Steve Garvey would have gone out there with two broken fingers. Right. But the real thing that caught my attention was these young kids will say to him, Skip, you don't know what it's like to hit it with all these fresh arms. We're only, we're only seeing a guy once or twice. Then there's a fresh arm, fresh arm. They all throw about 100. And Dusty said, that's right, but you guys don't know what it's like to have a beanball come under your nose as soon as you dig in. Beanballs have gone away. Oh, that's very true. Again, because of, the, point. because of the money. I'm sure the owners and the GMs, the managers got together and said, fuck, we can't be throwing at guys making $30 million a year, right. right? It has to be. Beanballs have gone away, Tristan, and Dusty's like, when you were up there, it doesn't make a difference if it's a 90 mile an hour or 100. If the fucking ball's coming at your head or it hits you, oh, it's going to hurt. Yeah. And the kids were like, well, yeah, I guess that's... And again, this is why you can't compare generations. No, and, and to, to take Dusty's point even further, ask the guys today what it's like to... Uh, be the runner on first base when somebody hits into a double play like nothing at all you you're not sliding into somebody it's it's you know it's cake you're jogging out the other way you're not even allowed to slide in anybody going home the catcher Pete Rose ended no Ray Fossey's career in an oh, yeah. all-star game right. a game that means nothing, nothing in the grand scheme of things right. Ray Fossey was never the same again because he separated his fucking shoulder with Rose barreling down in an all-star game right. in 1970 yeah. that ain't happening those guys don't do that anymore they That's do not, not well they, they eliminated the uh, the pro bowl they're going to play flag football because really? yeah well last year it was a joke nobody was touching anybody and right. as far as your quarterbacks yes and and because i've reminded john my nephew john and again he was pretty well in his cups and it was all fun you know we each get a little stubborn at times but i said john of all people i'll be watching a game with john and you know they'll touch the quarterback typically a Brady or or you know or or a Rodgers and the flag will get thrown and she'll say oh they're turning this into a pussy game and I'm like they're changing the game yes John they're changing the game why are you arguing against it yo well back in the day yes back in the day so you know it's that LeBron argument people will say well 
LeBron wouldn't have, you know, he would have gotten a shit beat out of him. He gets touched now and it's a foul. Yeah. See, here's the way I look at that. LeBron is a tremendous athlete. He would have adjusted. It was a he much more sure. physical game in the 80s. Yeah. Did Michael Jackson take Jordan. more elbows? Michael Jordan take more elbows? <laughs> Michael Jackson, too, maybe. <laughs> and, and more shots and, and harder fouls than LeBron? 100%. But yeah. LeBron would have been a great player at the, sure. in, in Jordan's era because he's a great player. I do also so agree with So it works that. both ways. But again, yeah, you take somebody like Jordan. I mean, you were allowed to hand check guys when Jordan oh, played. God. I mean, imagine, I mean, that does hurt offense. I mean, the game has adjusted to facilitate more offense because that's what fills up the seats, and it is understandable. And again, to your point about baseball and uh, bean balls, you don't want guys coming in the lane and getting body slammed like they were in the 80s they because were these guys are making $30 million a year. That's really They're the face of the game. You don't want them to be out for six months yes. because you, you, know, you allowed the Detroit Pistons to, you know, to come in and do WWE on your stars. Right, so, right, yeah, right. It, it's a different, different world in, in sports. And, and you can say that with all the major sports. Hockey's less fighting. Basketball's much less well, aggressive. Hey, a, a professional prize fights used to be 15 rounds, the heavyweight fights, when yeah. Ali and Frazier fought. And, you know, they, they did a little research and they realized, God darn, in that 13th, 14th, and 15th round, when these guys have already been hit 150 times, they're tired they're and they're just going out there on will, yeah. there was a lot of damage. Now, no heavyweight fight goes more than 12 rounds. Really? Yeah, they I, used to fight 15 rounds in the 70s and 80s, and a lot of damage was done in those last couple of rounds. Unbelievable. Yeah. You know, and to that point, and again, it's a fair argument to make that the guys aren't as tough because, you know, when you don't have to fight, you're obviously not going to be, you know, as aggressive. But I tell you what I saw, and I may have said this on the show, uh, there was a Mookie Betts was on Kimmel, the center fielder, I think, but outfielder for the Dodgers. How did he come across? Because a lot of people have told me he's an a-hole. He seemed like a nice. You know, he's guy. a very, very skillful bowler, Mookie. I think I have heard. Yeah, that like about a two twenty average. Yeah, he's a big bowler. That's awesome. But yeah, he seemed nice enough. But he was kind of saying the quiet parts out loud on Kimmel, and he was just like, "The season is so long, and it's just right. such a drag." And again, right. nobody would have dared in the nineteen eighties to complain about their five. Very million. true. You know, and Mookie probably makes twenty million now. Oh, or like, thirty you, or forty. You can't yeah. imagine Nolan Ryan in nineteen eighty nine going. This season is so long. Like, you know, because again, blue collar workers don't want to hear somebody making $30 million a year talk about the half, My life is tough. The half day they have to work, you know, for six months a year. <laughs> uh, but uh, but that, that was pretty fascinating. Yeah. And you, it is fair to say that they're certainly less intense and, you know. Well, staying on baseball, which is your true love, right? As sure. sports go. Yeah. Um, and I will take credit. If Raymond were here, he would begrudgingly say, yeah, dad's been saying that for years. They're eliminating that fucking shift. And I've said for as long as the shift's been going, and now others will say, I, I understand both sides. Others will say, you know, well, if you, I think my brother says, if I want to put all nine guys at third base, that's my right. Okay, well, that's the way they've been playing the game. But to me, it takes away from the integrity of the game, and you will see batting averages go up. Yeah. You will see because the pitchers have really had the advantage of late, and it's not just because they're throwing harder. They are. Sure. And sliders. But you're fucking shifting, guys. Now you got to play the positions as Abner Doubleday designed them right. or whoever invented baseball. Yeah. To me, it makes much more sense. It's kind of like eliminating zones in the NBA. Yeah. You know. 
And again, I'm a bit of a, a purist, but I'm 100% with you on the shift. To me, it's a tax loophole. You know, you're, tax loophole. you're, you're taking, you know, when it started, I guess you, you're probably going back to like DiMaggio and Ted Williams when it started becoming probably. pretty prevalent. Yeah, I think they prevalent. used to put a shift on for Williams. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, again, you're taking somebody that... But now it's every batter. It is. Now it's yes. every fucking batter. It's, yeah. Every defense is computer generated based on the previous year's stats. And uh, yeah, give me baseball. Put put the guys in right. that position and let's see what they can do. That's right. You know, your outfielders want to come in and play shallow. That's fine. But to me... You, the second baseman should be on the right side of the infield. Shortstop should be on the left side of the infield. Agreed. I mean, yeah, let, let's let's play the game. Let's so see wonder, who has the better so players. So I, I wonder how that's enforced. The ump just stops the game and says, hey, you got to get back over. That's a good question. Like, it's it's kind of like a coach in the coaching box in basketball, which they are never in. And occasionally the ref will say, come on. Yeah, Tristan, stay in the box. Don't make my job hard. I would think, and then I'm sure there has to be some type of a penalty at some point if you right. know, somebody just yeah. continues to. What do are play. the baseball penalties in in basket in, in basketball? It's a technical foul. In football, it's a flag and an actual penalty. Yeah. Well, what the, are the? How do you penalize a baseball team for an indiscretion? Man, the cool thing about baseball <laughs> is that it's always policed itself. You know, when you do something sort of. you're not supposed yeah. to do, to your point, you took one in the chin, right? Like somebody. Poked you in the back. Right. So baseball always had sort of a self-policing environment. That's very true. But yeah, but they'll you know they'll have to do something. That is really true. So if a guy slid hard into your shortstop, the next time he came to bat, exactly, your pitcher sort of knew. I, right. Well, this is a true story. I went to school with Chuck Stewart. Chuck went pretty far. He went as far as Double A. In fact, he was real good friends with Danny Pasqua. They had played together oh, cool. at William Patterson, and then played, the White Sox, played together. Yeah, yeah, and and the Yankees came up with the Yankees. Nice. Came up oh, with the Yankees right. in '88. And hit now he's a right fielder. Right fielder. And he hit two homers. Um his first fucking game, or it was first week. I want to say it was his first game. Maybe that's a slight embellishment. But the Daily News was known for their headlines. The Daily News was a was a, a magazine format newspaper. Still around. And they would always have great sports headlines on the back page. And, and it said in big, bold letters, Pasqua Power, after he hit two out. And I used to play cards with Danny. He was a great guy. That's awesome. But Chucky went as far as double-A catching and then injured himself. He was damn good. He was a junior when I was a senior. Very good catcher. And I ran into him a little bit like Mookie Betts. He said, oh, Jesus, this season is forever. But he said, and this would have been, you know, this would have been probably around 1980. Um, the thing that got to the front office fastest about a pitcher was if he wasn't willing to throw at a batter. So if the Makes manager sense. went out and said, all right, you got to throw at this next guy for whatever reason, and he was hesitant, that got to the big guys faster than anything else. I can see that. Now, that aspect of the game has changed. Oh, God. Yeah, completely. And you do, every now and again, you do see a guy that'll. Go after he will. a hitter. He will. And then that's, you know, top story on Sports Center. Right. Like become, but, you know, right. in the 80s, that was the rule. Now it's the exception of the rule when, you know, I guys mean, do that. If you were facing John Don Drysdale or Bob Gibson, very likely you were going to go down at some point. Oh, Nolan Ryan, uh, Sandy Koufax. Like, yeah, these guys are going to take you down. And, and it was more common than not. Got two real good. Um, I, I think they're good. But uh, Bob Gibson and a Yogi Berra story uh, told by other people. Tim McCarver told from the booth. One day he was he was catching for Gibson and it was kind of a rough outing and McCarver was walking took the ball and was walking towards home plate and Gibson said to him get back behind home plate the only thing you know about pitching is you can't hit it <laughs> so he kind of put him in his place and then it was an old timers day and Phil Rizzuto of course was the longtime Yankee shortstop and then became the announcer so he he was surrounded by his buds it was it was Rizzuto Barra and Whitey and uh, Whitey said. Uh, 
Yogi, Yogi, tell, or, or no, Yogi. Or, I, I think I think maybe Rizzuto said, Whitey, tell that story. So Whitey said, yeah. He said, I was on the mound, Yogi catching. And I first guy up, I don't know, it was Chicago White Sox. So I'm first guy up, hits a double. First pitch, hits a double. Second guy, first pitch, hits a home run. Third guy, he hits because now he's down two nothing. So he throws at the third guy. Yeah. First pitch, he takes first base. Next guy doubles. So Ralph Houck walks out, gathers the three of them at the mound, Yogi Whitey and the manager Ralph Houck, and he says to Yogi, he says, uh, Yogi, do I leave him in? What kind of stuff does he has? Does he have? And Yogi says, How the hell do I know? I haven't caught a pitch yet. <laughs> and Whitey's going, True story. That's True pretty story. Good. <laughs> wow. <laughs> there are some great baseball stories. Oh God! And Yogi, I mean, I'm sure he could have a book of just his quotes. Well, I, I'm reading. Um, I, did we talk about this on the air? I think we started the show with it. Um, Dale Barra, uh, you gave it to me for Christmas. It's yeah. called uh, My Dad Yogi, and. Um, yeah, it's interesting because the first part of it, he talks about, you know, Mickey. How about he, Mickey Mantle spending the night? And he's because he, he says, you know, I'd have to wake up and share a bathroom with Mickey Mantle. Yeah. Yeah. It's, you know, as a whatever, three year old kid or whatever the fuck he was. I right. mean, that's pretty bizarre, right? That's a lot. Uh, Mickey's needs the bathroom, Dale. Can you <laughs> can you get I mean, that's a lot. Right. But again, that kind of goes back to the difference in the generations. Like, you don't think LeBron James and Dwayne Wade are sharing a bathroom on a road trip there you or go. anywhere. You know? There you go. So it's just fascinating. Yeah, they were much more blue-collar. Looked yeah. at as much more blue-collar guys. Very much so. And, and in the 50s was... and 60s. Well, here, I, all right, so, and I, I did Google this because it was in my head, and I had the number of 12 million. I Googled it. Well, it was 10 million. George Steinbrenner bought the New York Yankees. Now, he got 70%. I don't know who had the other 30%, but that consortium bought the New York Yankees, Drizden, in 1973 for, are you ready? $10 oh, million. Dollars. That's an investment. They are valued at $8 billion. I mean, that could be the yeah. best investment in the history of investments. Yeah. Unbelievable. I mean, that's my lifetime. Yeah. That's almost your lifetime. It's wow. certainly the Steinbrenner family lifetime. And even with inflation, like that is just. Yeah, an even with inflation, that profit. is insane. I mean, right. you and I could have cobbled together 10 million if yeah. we knew it was no, going to. You're be exactly gone. right. I, you know, I, I think in a month. Maybe. I mean, I think in know. a month, we could have come up with $10 million for, for the purchase of the Yankees. Oh, my God. I think, I think the franchises go Man United, New York Yankees, Dallas Cowboys in value. Sounds right. You know? Yeah. So from fucking a $10 million investment. And he to was eight, probably a billionaire to begin with. But, well, and I don't think he was he was you know no there weren't many, well many billionaire yeah. billionaire wasn't a term you really heard in the 70s it's you true. know they, there's a bunch now but um but still only like less than three thousand in the world yeah, wow um but you know that escalation from his investment in 73 through today also coincides with the invest with, with the escalation in salaries yeah i'd say in 1973 there were guys making 40 grand Oh, I bet. Maybe twenty-five grand. I'd love to know at the low the, end. Yeah, yeah, what the league minimum was in nineteen seventy. I would say fifteen, twenty thousand. Yeah, if only we had a way to check this. Well, stuff. Let's huh? Matt Yeager it and find out. Let's Matt Yeager. What was the Major League Baseball minimum league salary in nineteen seventy-three? Is that Siri? That's not. This is whatever Android does. Let's see. The minimum salary has grown tremendously over the past three decades. It was set at. 15,000 per year in 1973. 15. I, I, wow. I think I said 17. Yeah. Pretty good guess. Wow. 15,000 fucking dollars. Imagine and you're playing that. Major League Baseball. It's hard to fathom. And it's not like 1973 is forever ago. I remember no. 1973. I was a 13-year-old kid. You're definitely, even in, and I wasn't alive in 73, but, you know, I, 
you're not living like a king for fifteen thousand a year. You are not. At nineteen seventy. Well, you're a blue collar guy. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. That's probably a what? Probably a manage, management job somewhere. Yeah. Seventy three. Right. So. Right. Yeah, I'd like to know. My dad would have been in in well towards the end of his career. I I wonder what I just dad probably. Gosh, Tristan. I really wouldn't know. I'd I'd say my dad might have been making twenty or twenty five. Yeah, that's crazy, and maybe yeah. not that much. I don't know. That's yeah. fascinating. Yeah, it True. really is. One more quick point about baseball. I heard this made by Keep someone, and I've never disagreed. It's the purest game and the best game because it's the game that never changes. Now, what's meant by that is you get to the end of a football game and you start playing this offense and this defense that you haven't played all game, chucking bombs and spreading out your defense because the end of the game is nearing and you change. In hockey, you pull your fucking goalie and now you don't do that all game until the end. In basketball, you start fouling, fouling, fouling. In baseball, the game stays pure throughout nine innings. Yeah, it's soccer, it doesn't you're doing change. the kicks. Yeah, soccer, you start doing... Yeah, yeah, baseball is baseball the whole time. It's baseball the whole time. It's the purest game. That's I like that. That's, yeah. that's pretty cool. And it is also fascinating that uh, baseball, I think, is the one major sport with no clock. Or maybe it's tennis, but it's nice that in baseball yeah, tennis, you get yeah. to finish the game, right? right. Like you, Everybody gets equal amount of chances. Baseball is the socialism of, of sports. Everybody is equal. Except the financial socialism is actually in the NFL where they pool their money. I mean, you could make the argument that what the Steinbrenners get to do and, and the, is it the, still the O'Malley's in, in L.A. and, you know, up in Boston and Houston, you know, it just makes it next to impossible for the Cincinnati's and the and the uh, Pittsburgh teams and, you know, Milwaukee teams, the smaller cities to um, to compete. Once in a while, they'll have a great year. But but, but basically, well, this guy Cohen. In, in in New York with the Mets. He's, you know, one of the, I think the 40, 40th wealthiest American. He's worth some unteen 18 billion or something. And he doesn't give a fuck about what he spends. And the way they penalize you is with a tax, right? A luxury, yeah, tax. luxury tax. And he's just, okay, so it's going to cost me 180 million luxury tax to sign. You know, he just signed Carrera. He signed uh, Verlander. I mean, he's just buying it, attempting to buy a championship. Right. Which, if you're a Met fan, like Johnny and my brother are, bring it on. We yeah, love it. We've had a lot of down years. Beats the alternative. But that doesn't happen in football. You know, the, 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 the uh, well, Houston, Texas is in a good example because they're from uh they're from houston that's a big city but the nashville team or the green bay packers which is a tiny Cincinnati franchise has been relevant the bengals because the money yeah. is pulled and they share from it and, and again and it's a great it's a it's a pete roselle who wanted parity back he was this commissioner when i was a kid yeah and his vision was to have an nfl where any team could be any team on a given sunday any given sunday and they've largely accomplished that how through the socialist notion of pulling all the money and that's doesn't it just make sense? I mean, yes. especially when you can watch, you know, in in NFL football, if your team sucks for three years, you know it's probably going to be good at, at some point. Man, as a Reds fan, as a, a Pittsburgh Pirates fan, you can go a good solid decade and not even see a glimmer. So, yeah, it would be nice. It's like, you know, a lot of these small market teams – are freaking AAA, you know, it's not, yes. they're just not even on the same level, right. of, you know, a Yankees or a, yep. a Anaheim or LA, all these other teams. It's, it would be nice to see uh, everybody more relevant, you know, the teams be a little yeah, more. Yeah, the NFL so. showed how to do that, you yeah. know. Um, I think it's great. Yeah, I like it. I, I mean, parody can be, you know, there's that old age old sports argument is a dynasty better than you know the anybody beating anybody if you're a fan of the dynasty obviously then it's great but by and large i'd like to see competitive games i'm the same yeah you know it just it makes more sense for everybody plus 
I think you enable baseball to be relevant in more than, you know, the East and West Coast only. I mean, you have, yes, you know, everybody. At a because it is, after all, a redneck game. <laughs> Not a redneck game. But, yeah, no, I, I think it's just it's been phenomenal what the NFL did with that. And, and obviously a, a lesson for, for baseball. Brother, I don't know how we do it, but we managed to do it. Have um, we nearly killed another hour? Yeah, it's 55 minutes. Have yourself a happy new year. Thanks, man. You too. Because I'm wishing I, you and your Isn't it that old? I'll see you next year. <laughs> isn't that stupid? You got anything else on your sheet? I don't want to cut you off. Oh, no. I got a bunch of stuff. But well, you do. Well, all right. Hit me with what, what do you think of the, the Galaxy New Year's Eve? I've never done it. I've always wanted to. Well, where you work. When I started, I was there throughout. I told Lucas today, I want to be home by nine, brother. And he's like, oh, yeah, that's fine. I've gotten too old for that shit. But it's a party. It'd be fun to check it out. Yeah, I think it's a party. Of, I don't know of anybody else locally that really promotes and does anything. Yeah, like it's that. a party, and our new room is going to be open, so we can Ooh, add. That'll be nice. You know, another fifty or so people. Yeah, we're putting the finishing touches on it. Boy, that was a slog. Yeah, but um, it's like it's it. coming along, and it was you know it went from a covered patio to a four season indoor outdoor room. Let me know. We'll send so. a news team over to get some shots and talk yeah. about it being open for you guys. Okay, we'll yeah. do. Yeah, yeah. Nice. Other than that, you have no New Year's Eve plans. No, well, my wife's been sick for like seven days. He's had like this really bad cold and sore throat. And so like when we were in the midst of talking about, hey, let's go party somewhere to sort of turn into probably sitting on the couch. Sitting on the couch isn't the worst thing. No, it's fine. But you like college football? Big fan. Yeah. There'll be some good sure. college yeah. football. On. Yeah, no question. I just I'm like for me in wintertime, any opportunity I get to sort of that's be cool. doing something, I like to. But uh, going to the beach in February, so that's a first. Which one? Usually uh, going to uh, Folly, Folly Beach. Oh, that's beautiful. Just outside, outside Charleston. Charleston. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, don't, I wonder if that'll be. I guess depending on the temperature. But yeah, I don't know. Um, probably not swimming, but yeah, probably, probably not swimming. Charleston is a wonderful area. It's just so freaking expensive. Love Charleston. Couldn't yeah. really afford to retire there, I don't think. But that's a beautiful area. Yeah, I agree. Uh, we're actually going the first week of February, turning uh, <laughs> turning Springsteen tickets into a whole week. Nice. So he opens his twenty three tour in Tampa on the first of February. So we're going to go down. Um, I think we just decided the other day we're going to drive. And, and I'll tell you, and there's cheap flights to Florida. There really are, but. All right, let's just put it into this context. I, I, I never seem to be lucky enough to get a decent flight out of Lexington. So we're flying out of Cincinnati or Louisville. All right, so let's say you have a 10 o'clock flight out of Cincinnati. Well, you want to be there by 8.30, right? Which means you got to leave the house at 7 seven in the morning. You're going to fly. It's probably going to be a one stop. So you're going to land in Florida um, 3 in the afternoon. You're going to have to rent a car and probably drive an hour or whatever. Or once all that interaction, that's another hour. So you're leaving the house at 7 in the morning, and you're probably getting to your destination at 5 or 6 in the evening. You can jump in the fucking car at Same. 7 in the morning yeah. and be at your destination by 6 Great in the point. evening. Yeah. And you've got the car. You can take it at your own speed. You don't have to go through security. You don't have to worry about what you're packing. Take whatever you want. you got a yeah. vehicle when you're down there. And so I talk Patty into that. I don't, I don't have any aversion to flying, but when you look at it that way, it's That's like we point. don't live really close to an airport. There's yes. very few nonstop flights. It becomes a very long day. Yeah. So if you can get a, like a good price and a good flight out of Bluegrass, which is pretty rare in Lexington, yeah. you know, then yeah, it does become a little bit more functional. But yeah, I mean, most of the time it's 
you're you're flying into Louisville or Cincinnati to save four hundred bucks. Yes, so. exactly. And and I've never had an aversion to drive. I mean, part of it was moving seven hundred miles from where I grew up and doing my best to stay in touch with folks. And I made the trip much more years ago than I do now. But I would say in my thirty four years in Kentucky, I've made that trip to Jersey at least fifty times, and that's an eleven hour to seven hundred mile drive. Never really tired of it. So I don't mind those drives. Patty doesn't. Yeah. You know, so it's cool. Yeah. So, so we're going up there and we're just going to turn that into like four or five days in Tampa. Nice. And I've Tampa gotten better. Pete. I think the older I get, the more, the easier it is to just jump in the car and go 10 yeah. hours. Just, you know, not yeah. that big of a deal. Right. Well, we're, and we're actually going to go the day before. If we make it all the way through, that's cool. If we want to stop, we stop. And you find a red roof for 70 bucks. As long as you don't have bed bugs, you know, yeah. you just need a place to sleep for eight hours. True. It's just kind of a funny story. Uh, I went to, made that drive on a whim because my grandma, who's from New York City, was sick. And um, this was circa 2012 before she passed away. And, and we were going up to visit her. And, we, you know, we just sort of got the news, kind of the calling in the family kind of thing. And so we zipped up. And um, I think it was like a Friday or a Saturday. And we got pretty tired. And we were like, man, let's just get a hotel. And we, we stopped in Bethlehem. Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania. Yeah. And uh, there was no room for me. No room for me in Bethlehem. I found that pretty ironic. Did they have a manger out <laughs> oh, back? I was like, who doesn't let a Jew get a room in Bethlehem? It is close to Christmas. So, But what are you going to do? Oh, that's funny. Yeah. Any good New Year's stories? New Year's? Uh, no. As far as, well, you know, I, I resolved this year to put on another 10 pounds, drink more. That, those were the old days. No, I, I mean, the resolutions are coming. I'd like to try and... How are you doing with your diet? You know what? <laughs> like the last, I, I got COVID like late October. And since then, it's just been a shit show of not doing well. You know, a lot of the stuff that I did on the my diet originally, I've stuck to, which has been good. Like I pretty much stopped drinking beer. I've kind of gone with, you know, when I drink like vodka and soda. No, much less is, calories. Yeah, I think that's helped a ton. I, I really quit drinking milk. I now do uh, almond milk. Try to cut down on sauces. I love sauces, but they're just loaded with sugar. So I've got like sugar-free sauces. So some of that's been well, but I just haven't seen a cookie or piece of cake or piece of pie that I haven't loved in the last like two months. So I'm thinking about doing the uh, like doing another month with the uh, the the diet thing that I did the first time because I dropped like 50 pounds in a you month. You did. It was pretty great. Yeah, you did. But it's you know you got to be really committed for a yeah. month, and I, I'm just trying to talk myself into it because if I could drop like 10 or 15 from where I'm at, I'm fine. Like I can live with that. Yeah. But you know I'm just trending in the wrong direction. I know a I know a guy who says that food is merely a conduit for sauces. No, I like that. I'm, I would agree. Big sauce guy. That's pretty true. Yeah. So I did the, I'll tell real quick, and I may have even told it on the show, but I love um, my New Year's going into uh, 1999 to 2000, my Y2K story. Yeah. So I went to New York City, you know, to celebrate the way everybody should have that year and, you know, standing in a ball of people who were pissing on the street. Oh, did you do the uh, yeah. the ball drop? Oh, yeah, fuck, so I've never done it. God, it's, I, you have to be young to do it. I couldn't do it I would it agree. I, I think everybody should do it Was before it a cold night? 30. All the vast number of people made it. it. No, no, no you were fine. Like you had a coat and a toboggan, you were fine. Yeah, but it, it was great. So was it? It was. It was a lot. Of, I did it twice. The first time was fun. Second time I did like to take some other people that wanted to go, and then you know I'd had enough at that point. Sure. Well, because again, you get into Times Square at noon. And you're basically oh, just cattle until midnight. That like you're just sucks. 12 hours 
in you know in that and it, it is a lot and there's no public bathrooms ah so you're literally like there's just sort of a spot where people go to piss in the street and the cops are okay with that well i mean they know you got to do you, you know to. somewhere i mean what are you gonna do but yeah so like you'll just spend some time like getting to know the people around you but it was uh it was cool because there was a lot of talk about terrorist attacks ironically right. enough sure the year before and so like everybody was so happy at midnight like i remember some of the shop owners came out and like just had champagne and I'm just drinking champagne <laughs> out of a bottle with like a So this was ninety nine into two thousand. Yeah. That's why I, I thought it was so cool, like, you know, just uh because New York's a melting pot anyway. Oh, God, just yeah. the, you know, these different races and creeds and people that would you know, not from the same spots are just, you know, sharing some champagne in the street and having a great time. So that was pretty cool. And uh, so that's probably my coolest New Yeah, Year's that's story. absolutely cool. And what was yeah. the second one? The second trip up there. Uh, the second trip was, again, it was probably three or four years later. I took um, a girl that I wasn't dating. And, uh, you know, I, was, I think at the time I had hoped to be dating and, you know, and some of her friends. And, yeah, it was just not the best. And it wasn't great. Me. It was, again, it's like the first time I went was like 12 hours of like optimism and like meeting girls and meeting people and like making new friends and having fun. And that time was kind of like just... You know, doting over this girl who did not reciprocate my feelings, <laughs> and it was and drove both times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's cool. No, I've never done New Year's Eve in Times Square. I mean, I'm intimately familiar with it, but we were up there um, in 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 nineteen in, in nineteen twenty nineteen. We went up Christmas week, and everything was set up, um, and all the you know Times Square stuff was set up for the TV audience. But that was probably this is probably like now twenty eighth or twenty ninth yeah. of um, of December. But uh, I, I, we made one Macy's Day parade when the kids were like oh, that's awesome. two and six. And yeah. that was a lot of Probably fun. another thing everybody should do. Uh, it was it. actually the one, I don't know if you remember, the one where the uh, balloon came down and busted the, the light and the yeah. woman got hurt. Yeah. yeah. And then there was, some, there was a little bit of, um, uh, they sort of uh, changed a few things after that. They couldn't fly at certain heights or something. Oh, wow. But I, yeah. I do remember and it was that. that was a brutally cold day. But I did that. But no, I've never done Times Square. I've never done Mardi Gras. You do Mardi Gras? You know what? I always wanted to do Mardi Gras, and I think... Both too old now. Probably, yeah. But And I think, too, you always kind of get the bad rap of, like... I think once the once the Girls Gone Wild commercial started, like, if you're married or you have a girlfriend, they're never going to say you should go to Mardi no Gras. Because it sounds like kind of a... Well, have you been to New Orleans? Yes. have done New Bourbon Orleans. Street, literally, yeah. it, it was wonderful. Let me first say I love New Orleans. I love the whole vibe of New Orleans. The food was tremendous. The people were great. Bourbon Street literally smells like piss and vomit. <laughs> yeah. It literally it's, smells like piss and it's vomit. It's an outside college frat area, kind of. It's, it's unbelievable. Very, yeah. yeah. It's a party place. So, All right, brother. Yeah, man. That was fun. Hey, and we doubled our numbers this month. Keep listening, everybody. We appreciate you guys. Nice. We, went to, we, we, we now have six listeners. Went from three to six. That is fantastic. Thank you, guys. <laughs> Seriously, thanks. We appreciate you guys. So, time for a little, uh, little comedy? Very little. I like this. Taken <laughs> straight from dad jokes. The good, the bad, and the terrible. I love this one. Sweet. Brought to you by? Brought to you by? Berea Pond. Okay. Bookshotandled.com. Yeah. Thanks, Aaron. 107 Clay Drive in Berea. I got to get in and see Aaron. I haven't seen him in a while. You got to, yeah. Why did the banana go out with the prune? I don't know. He, because he couldn't find a date. <laughs> nice it's pretty good <laughs> oh that is great nice you know what lies on the ocean floor twitching uncontrollably no a nervous shipwreck <laughs> nice <laughs> no that, i blew that it's a nervous wreck 
Oh, sh- that makes much more the sense. Ship, the ship wouldn't work. <laughs> the ship wouldn't work. I was trying what, to I, look, I, looked, I looked up from the I looked up from the fucking watch line. What lies on the floor twitching uncontrollably? A nervous wreck. Nice. Not a nervous no, ship. Well, I, I tell you I'm, what. We, I better do one more then. We promise comedy, but not good comedy here. Uh, that's exactly right. Uh, <laughs> Aaron, this is what your money pays for. We want you to know every time you give us money, you get top quality Content just like I'll this. I'll bet you can come up with this one. Okay. If you think for a minute. All right. What's a tree's favorite drink? A tree's favorite drink. I'll give you a hint. It would be a soda. Oh. A, a tree's favorite drink. Birch beer? Close. Close. Mm. Bark's root beer? No. Mm. Root, yes. Root beer. Root beer. A ah, tree. Root okay. beer. Okay. Very nice. What's a tree's favorite drink? Root yeah. beer. I would have went with Bark's. I don't know if I'd have gotten it. Oh, that Bark's. Joke. That's cool, too. Bark's yeah, root with beer. With okay. But yeah. boom. Bark's root beer makes it even better. Yeah. So. A nervous shipwreck. Jesus. <laughs> Couldn't even is, read the joke. <laughs> it <laughs> did. I, like, well, thank you for playing along. I did like, elude me. It doesn't even make any sense. I just, and again, that's why I'm telling you. Like I always try to help you out on yours. So feel free. Any fake laughter on these top 10 lists. Just always appreciated. So good, Bad Wolf Gaming top 10 list. I actually put one of these together yesterday. I knew we had a little time. I, I looked through it and I said, it's not very funny, but I'm going to do it anyway. So, I, man, I think they are funny. I always enjoy them. You preface it by saying that, <laughs> I but I think they're damn it. funny. So the Bad Wolf Gaming top 10 right here from the Bad Wolf Studios. Yes, yeah. So yes, yes. Thank you, Daniel. appreciate those folks. Um, so Bad Wolf, Gaming top, Bad Wolf Gaming top 10 surprising things. Mitch McConnell, because we're in Kentucky. Sure. Got for Christmas. Things... Mitch McConnell got for Christmas that might surprise you. He he, uh, the Senate posted a list of all their gifts, and then this was McConnell's list. Okay, uh, number ten, the new Lil Uzi Vert album. Yeah, I wouldn't expect that. He's a big fan of Lil Uzi Vert. Lil Uzi Vert. Yes, yeah, so, uh, number nine, nunchucks. Wow. Yeah, McConnell's big nunchuck. He's guy. a badass. Number eight, Alize and Hennessy. <laughs> Who knew? Big Tupac fan. Uh, number seven, a new pair of Air Force Ones. Cool. He's a big Nike guy. Number six, surprising things Mitch McConnell got for Christmas, a FUBU hoodie. Wow. Yeah. I wouldn't a think very he hip cat, FUBU. isn't he? Yeah. He is, surprisingly. Uh, let's see. Number five, a Louis Vuitton turtle shell. <laughs> That's pretty cool. <laughs> number four, uh, surprising things Mitch McConnell got for Christmas, a brand new single wide trailer. Nice. Hey, people don't realize senators don't make that much money. And he is a Kentuckian. Yeah. yeah. So he really fits right in with the rest of You would of think, though, being a Senate leader, you'd probably get a double wide. <sighs> You would have thought. Yeah. yeah. Maybe that's a gift for somebody else. Could be. Number three, a dope 1998 Red Trans Am. Good driving in he 1998 sure would. Red Trans Yes. I would pay every bit of the money I make to see just yeah. him once driving. It look like Dukakis in the tank. That's it. <laughs> Good visual. Uh, number two, uh, some great picks from his side piece. Wow. Hmm. Didn't, wow. Didn't know that. I'm surprised they would have released that part. Wow. Yeah. Who knew? And number one. In, in the... <laughs> Number one thing that Mitch McConnell, uh, surprising thing Mitch McConnell got for Christmas, uh, a $25 gift card to the Olive Garden. That's pretty good. Now, and the, the rumors. Should have been Kentucky Fried Chicken. Yeah. Rumors about Mitch uh, that circulate locally, not that there's anything wrong with that, is that he is a closeted homosexual and that his marriage is a marriage of convenience. Have you heard that? And what do you think? Um, I, honestly, I've not heard that about Mitch. Certainly, I've heard it about Lindsey Graham. I mean, sure. it's it's like part yeah. of Bill Maher's entire act. Yeah, and Lindsey's not never been married. Yeah. Um, it's not beyond the realm. I don't think in any way with Senator McConnell. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it is one of those things that could just well, be a, that, a political. Was that, that a beard? Is that what they call it? Beard? I think so. Yeah, yeah. yeah so right. he's married to cover up his 
homosexuality it's, and yeah. it's just convenient for both of them kind of but yeah who knows i'm not putting that out there i can you say where you heard that rumor oh god if i could remember where but i heard it several times but it's i probably haven't heard it in five years but it, like it feels like it's circulated at some point that's interesting I think, yeah. you know and the only thing about that is you would i'd like to look at his voting record and see was he fervently anti-homosexual was he opposed to the you know, you marriage assume he act. is. You yeah, automatically see, assume that's, he was. You know, yeah. That's just what did Jesus say? Above all the sins, hypocrisy was his least favorite. Nice, pretty good. Yeah, I mean, hypocrisy's shitty. We've we've all I agree. We've all done some hypocritic, well, and, hypocritical things. And, but you know, I will say, try and me, minimize the hypocrisy. Yeah, but one of the things for me in politics, because I think you see it, it's more well, it's in life in politics too. Well, you think? Well, that's why I try to like. I try to if I'm going to be. If I'm going to say something about a Republican, when a Democrat takes over, I want to be the consistent. Same. I, yeah, I want to consistently. I don't want to. I don't want to convenience something because that's probably the way I'm leaning with my vote. I, you know, I want people to be held accountable, no matter their letter. So, but yes, in life especially, you try not to be too. Yeah, I mean, people always beat up oh, politicians or dishonest politicians or this. They're they're reflective of us. They're no more or less dishonest than are we. That's fair. And all of us have, you know, that pension. So, but hey. the most dishonest, the kid that we were talking about earlier. That's that fucked up. Kid. I almost said his name. I, yeah, no, no, no. Let's not do that. <laughs> Although you explained it pretty well. I'm sure yeah. there are some folks who know of whom we speak. Oh, I'm sure. Triz, happy new year, brother. Ray, happy new year, man. Great and to see you. Happy new year to the listeners. And um, we have surpassed 50 shows. We have. So we're in the elite upper echelon of podcasts. Well, you can mention that text you sent me that you had gotten that you had seen that somebody said. Yeah, it was only like 1%, right? Or something. Uh, uh, 5%. 5%. 95% of podcasts don't make 50 episodes. Yeah. So so we've done something. 5%. I don't know if we've done much, but we've done something. We've done something. Thank you, (laughs) listeners. Thank you, Troy. Oh, my God. We can't thank Troy and Nate enough for everything they do. And of course, Dan Nasa here, and then uh, Aaron Robin at, at Bria Pond. Like we were surrounded by some nice, uh, nice podcast help. Thank you all, and happy New Year. And this may air after New Year's, but nonetheless, it'll be close enough. And remember to write twenty-three, not twenty-two. Oh, I'll fuck it up for a month. Oh yeah, yeah. All right, bye. Thanks for listening to Extreme Common Sense with Trisden and Ray. We hope you had fun and look forward to taking on another topic next week. Tristan here with the Extreme Common Sense Podcast, thanking our friends at Berea Pond. We could not do the podcast without the generous support from Aaron and Robin at Berea Pond. And also, my house wouldn't have nearly as much cool stuff without all the items at Berea Pond. So when you're ready for your next furniture, gun, ammo, pallet, they have so much cool stuff, you're not ever going to regret going to Berea Pond. That's Berea Pond at 107 Clay Drive in the old IGA building across from near New Auto Center. Don't miss out. If you're from the area, you got to get into Berea Pond. Hey guys, Tristan here from the Extreme Common Sense Podcast. You may notice Ray's not here because Ray's a lazy bastard. Just kidding. I love Ray, but he's not here. So nonetheless, Dan and Nasa with Bad Wolf Gaming, we appreciate your podcast support, and we hope if you're listening locally, you'll check them out at 711 Chestnut Street in Berea. They've got a full arcade with some gambling things, sort of. So check out the arcade. Check out Dungeons & Dragons, Yu-Gi-Oh! Magic. They're a great place to buy your cards. Don't miss out. Get into Bad Wolf today. Tell them Extreme Common Sense sent you. Hello. According to our research, you like podcasts.
Well, if you have a passion, mission, or story, you should have your own podcast. And I have a resource you might be interested in. Go to frontporchstudios.com slash products and services. You'll see how Front Porch Studios can help you enter the world of podcasting. Again, that's frontporchstudios.com slash products and services. Thank you for your time. Goodbye.